What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 91 of the 2QB Experience Podcast. My name is Greg Smith, and I'm your host. And if you still have a draft ahead of you before the kickoff of the season on Thursday night, uh, be sure to check out the 2QBs.com 2018 Draft Guide. I mean, you've heard me plug this ad nauseum to this point uh, through the offseason, but uh, if you haven't got your copy, if you still have a 2QB or Superflex draft coming up, this is the best resource for you. We're going to talk a little bit about draft strategy on this show, uh, but for the most part, we're going to kind of turn our eyes towards week one. And uh, to help me do that, uh, Danny Kelly of TheRinger.com has joined me again. I should I should say also of the Dantasy Football <laughs> Podcast. What's up, yeah. Danny? Welcome in. What's going on, man? Uh, yeah, thanks for plugging the Dantasy Football Podcast. We just started that up this year, so I'm excited about that. And yeah. Yeah, and uh, you and I spoke a little while ago on the phone when you were writing that big feature article during Value Week at the Ringer, and <laughs> right. I, it was it was a really good idea, like kind of pulling a bunch of different people, trying to figure out how people are finding draft values in a post-sleeper world, and I don't know, have, have you thought more about that since it came out? Like, is there anything that maybe you've come up with on your own in terms of finding value? Because I think a lot of the times when we're doing our fantasy analysis, it really is about kind of building upon what you learn from other people because there's no right. one way to win. There are all sorts of ways you can get better at this game and think about it. Has anything kind of evolved for you since that piece came out? Um, I think the biggest thing I learned and kind of took away, it's like you, you kind of know um, sort of implicitly a lot of the stuff, but then having people tell you specific, I guess, strategies sort of just crystallizes things. So I guess the one thing I would say I learned a lot from talking to so many different people is just to pay attention a lot more to ADP and try and try and figure out, I guess, exactly why guys are going in certain areas. And if you believe that, and if you think that's the right spot and I, and you know, cause the other thing I've done lately is compare a lot of different platforms or rankings and things like that and kind of try and figure out where I like, which, which ADPs or average, you know, like, like more mock drafts are going, find out where guys I think, you know, actually think they're supposed to be going versus where maybe just some of these, you know, ESPN or Yahoo things are kind of ranking them or whatever. So that's a long winded way of saying to study draft, you know, ADPs and, and look at, I guess I, I was, Told to look at the, you know, the MFL 10, like the paid best ball leagues, look at those mm-hmm. uh, ADP lists because it's a little bit more, I guess there's skin in the game, so people kind of pay attention a little bit more in that. I think that's been pretty fun. And yeah, basically just kind of paying more attention to ADP. I think that it's, it's kind of an easy concept, but I think people kind of get away from that. Yeah, totally. You got to play the market when you're drafting and there is some value to knowing how Yahoo ranks versus how ESPN ranks versus how CBS ranks because yeah. those players who are staring you in the face at the top of the queue or the top of the player list, those guys are going to get more attention than guys that maybe those sites devalue. And and you talked about that, kind of comparing those sites ADP to the MFL ADP on a recent Danacy football mm-hmm. podcast. So I, I urge the listeners to go check that out. That's really good stuff. The one thing I will say about that is – there are differences between best ball and seasonal, and a lot of the sure, times sure. what you'll see in those MFL 10 ADPs is reflective of how you need to approach that format specifically. So that's the one pitfall yeah. there. So just be mindful of that. Like if you see like a boomer bust type player ranked a little bit higher in MF- MFL ADP, that might be the reason why is because you don't have to worry about when you're going to start them there because best ball takes care of that for you. Um, yeah. I think, and I think you go that, ahead. That's totally, that's, and I think that's a huge point. That's really important. I think kind of like to like go off of what I was saying earlier, it's just like being cognizant of, why different places rank players differently, I guess, is kind of the idea. Like, totally. Why do you think, you know, for instance, like Yahoo, I think tends to rank receivers higher in, in points in PPR leagues. And so when you're, when you're drafting on Yahoo, just keep in mind that running backs tend to be lower. And so if you want to make, you know, if you want to get a running back a little earlier, don't be afraid to reach a little bit, I guess is kind of the, the point. So basically it's just being cognizant of like how there's different, you know, there's a lot of differences in rankings. Well, let's dive into how you're approaching drafts, kind of with some last-minute draft draft prep here, Danny. And I'm curious, based upon recent injury and roster news, you know, guys getting cut, guys going on the PUP, things like that, who's climbing up your draft board, who's falling down your draft board, uh, what sort of changes have you made to your approach uh, for these, you know, final few days of drafting? Right. Well, there's a couple of guys. I mean, the, the big one that kind of sticks out right now is James Conner of the Steelers because of Le'Veon Bell not reporting mm-hmm. for for you know for the season or whatever, and so we don't know how long the holdout's going to go. 
you know, we don't know exactly what the status is. We don't know how long it will take him to kind of get back up to speed when he does report, if he does or whatever. And if you look at the way he played in the preseason, it was very, very promising. Obviously, there's a lot of volume in that offense. He could potentially be a huge, huge get for the first couple of weeks. So I'd say he's kind of the guy that sticks out the most. Um, there's a couple other players that are sort of based on injuries. I, I was looking at Nelson Aguilar a little bit more mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks because, you know, obviously with uh, Alshon Jeffrey being hurt, that could open up some more opportunities for him. I think that with Carson Wentz not starting, you know, week one, I think that that could mean potentially. I mean, obviously we'll talk about this later because, but, but Nick Foles has not played well in the preseason. So maybe they try and make the, the passing offense a little bit shorter and kind of just over the middle field stuff. And so I think he could have a little bit extra value in the beginning of the season. And so, you know, those are a couple guys that I think stick out. Another guy kind of, this is sort of another obvious, but Antonio Gates just signed with the Chargers. And so if you're really kind of desperate for a later round tight end guy, he could have some outside as a, and just based on his relationship with, with Rivers and how much trust they have in each other, there's, and, and there's not a lot of other, you know, tight ends that could steal some of his targets in that offense. And so he's another, he's another player that I think, you know, obviously he's old. He's like 37 or eight or whatever at this point slow, but just based on the chemistry that he has with, with Rivers, I think he could have a little bit of, you know, value late. Yeah, definitely. I mean, People were already drafting Antonio Gates, just kind of assuming that sort of <laughs> this sort of thing was going to happen. And right. I don't know. I don't buy it to be honest. Like I, I think that at this point he is so old that yeah, he might score the random touchdown here or there and convert the random first down here or there. But he was already being faced out of that offense through last season. We saw Hunter Henry kind of emerge in that tight end role, and I just don't want to rely on Antonio Gates at this point. I would rather chase after somebody with a little bit more upside, like maybe someone along the lines of Nick Vanette or, <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, just, just somebody who, you know, could have, I guess, a, a bigger role or, and, and a more, a more explosive role, I guess. Cause I don't really see Antonio Gates, like catching seam passes down the middle and taking those to the house. Like he's going to kind of be like, catch the ball, fall over is kind of my interpretation of him. Like maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing the point here. I mean, do you think I'm off base? No, I mean, I think there's some validity to that. And I kind of see him in this tier of tight ends where, I mean, if you're taking, so if we're talking pre-draft, like don't take him until your final pick, first of all. And it's only if, if there's other, if, if all the other like kind of like tier one and tier two tight ends have been taken at this point, then maybe you just want to like take a stab at somebody at this point. And I think he's kind of in the same tier as like, I don't even know, like your Vernon Davises and, and, and like Luke Wilson's and like you said, Nick Bennett, you know, kind of guys that have some outside. Oh, and Ben Watson, I think is another one. He's probably ranked a little bit higher, but sort of just like a, you're, you're going with a guy in a good offense or in a potentially good offense who has a, you know, he's veteran kind of just knows what he's doing type of thing. So I think, yeah, I mean, I'm not like hoping for like a huge breakout year from, from Gates or anything. It's kind of more like, you know, if you're desperate for a tight end and you haven't, you, you waited too long to get any of the top guys, then he could be an option. Yeah. It's funny. You actually listed four guys. I have back to back in my tight end rankings. I have, oh, like, really? I have Vanette, then Gates, then Vernon Davis, then Luke Wilson. So you and I are on the same page here. This is like, <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. And I, I do have Ben Watson ranked a little bit higher, just as you said. So maybe that means my rankings are too chalky. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Another big piece of news over the weekend was the Jarek McKinnon injury, and this really sucks for yeah. him. It sucks for the Niners. Uh, it's it's just a bummer when guys get hurt this early in the season. And I'm curious how you're approaching the San Francisco backfield when it comes to drafting right now. Like, I don't know if you actually have drafts left, but what are you doing with those running backs uh, for the Niners? Are you are you seeing them as targets, or are are you staying away from the situation? What's your take? Um, I, I do have a few drafts left, and so. I think right now I'm leaning Alfred Morris. I think it's it's obviously an interesting question because I think Brita ends up Matt Brita ends up being kind of the the pass catching option option in that offense. He kind of could take over for what McKinnon was supposed to do, but at the same time I don't think he's necessarily a guy that they want to lean on as like a bell cow three down type back. I think you know if you heard uh, John Lynch was talking about how before they picked up Morris they they didn't really have that. I don't know what the word he called, like grinder or something like that. They didn't have the the first and second down type guy in their offense, and they kind of realized, I think, that they wanted that. And so 
I kind of lean Morris. He's not going to catch a lot of passes, obviously. So maybe in PPR he drops down a little bit, but I think, you know, he's got tons of experience in that zone blocking scheme under Shanahan. Um, you know, he's kind of perfect for that role. And I think on first and second down goal line type situations, that's what he'll be used for. And so I don't know. I think it's close and, and I don't know. I haven't looked at like the updated ADPs lately, but I'm guessing they'll probably go in this, around the same area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think I would lean Morris a little bit, but they're both pretty interesting options. Where are you leaning? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are making the PPR versus non-PPR distinction when it comes to these two guys. And I think that thought process makes sense. You know, Morris is the guy you want in non-PPR because he's going to be that early down grinder, that goal line back. And Breed is going to be the pass catcher in theory, so he's the PPR play. Right. But I think if you follow the path of that thought process, it might mean that Alfred Morris is going to end up being just a touchdown dependent type of asset while Brita is a more stable presence, at least for PPR formats. I, I think they can coexist, but mm-hmm. I think it's really going to come down to game scripts for these these two guys. And because the 49ers defense is bad, I think it's going to be hard to predict usage between the two from game to game. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I do lean Morris in general. I put him at RB25 in my most recent rankings. And to give you some context, that's right around where like Marshawn Lynch and Deion Lewis are in my ranks. Mm. So okay. I think he can be that type of guy. I, I still like Lynch more. I think Lewis probably has more upside on the chance that like, Derrick Henry gets hurt. But I think that Morris's role seems a little bit more established than Lewis's at this point. So I have him, you know, that, that hair's breadth of one ranking spot ahead. Um, <laughs> right. I, and I, I have Brita down in the next tier at RB29. So he's like a tier lower, but only four spots lower in my rankings. And Got I it. have him yeah. kind of along the lines of Tevin Coleman and Carrion Johnson. Like, yeah. timeshare yeah. concerns, right? That's that's what it boils down to for these and, guys. And, I mean, he's already, he's already been banged up, too, which kind of makes you worry a little bit. So, yeah, I, I definitely... I don't know. It's it's definitely a tough one. I was having a discussion with my buddy the other day about this when we when we saw that McKinnon got hurt, and I was like, man, which way? He was like, which way do I go? I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like Morris is the slightly safer bet, and they're both kind of you know they're both kind of dart throws at this point. But I I think Morris is slightly more you know favorable. Yeah, I think it might just be a general stay away. Like I think you can definitely yeah. throw darts at these guys as upside plays, especially as you're running back three or running back four type players. But yeah, based upon that defense and the fact that they may have to throw a lot in San Francisco, I think this could be one where you know you, you don't want. To. I, I think you, the fact you brought up with Breda's shoulder injury, that separated shoulder he suffered in the preseason, that that mm-hmm. is a concern for me. Like running backs yep. and separated shoulders do not go well together. So I mean, <laughs> right. maybe the answer is Raheem Mostert or or you know somebody who they don't even have signed yet. Like maybe they bring Kyle back. Buschek. Yeah. Oh, the juice is loose. I like it. <laughs> what if they just end up using him as the pass catching running back? You know, something like that. So yeah, I've I think this is this is a is a weird scenario, weird situation. I was actually starting to get a lot lower on. McKinnon even before he got hurt and and that obviously kind of like you know this changes everything but um it's one of those backfields that I'm kind of trying to stay away from for the most part yeah and and again like if you're drafting and you want to take a shot on these guys that's fine but keep your expectations tempered I think is what Danny and I are trying to say um I want to shift gears here and I want to talk about Khalil Mack getting traded to the Bears and crazy this is admittedly like a bit of a blind spot for me, which is why I want to kind of ask you the question, but I'm not exactly sure what adding this type of impact player like Mac can have on a defense, specifically in terms of like fantasy scoring expectations, and especially when it's this close to the start of the season. Right. I mean, the Bears were actually already one of my favorite value defenses and drafts i wasn't getting them much because i tend to stream the position and the bears face aaron Rodgers in week one but (laughs) the bears defense was sneaky good last season right and they were one that i was actively going to look to stream again this year i think adding mac has to help and i bumped chicago up from defense 12 in my rankings to defense 10 but Mm -hmm. i i want to know how long you think it's going to take him to fit in and make a fantasy level impact for that defense and is that impact going to be enough to elevate chicago into that kind of top 10 conversation with, you know, defenses like, I don't know, Baltimore, New Orleans, Denver. Where, where are you at on this situation specific to fantasy? It's always tough. Like you said, it's tough to figure out, like, how what certain players mean for, like, overall fantasy defense points. But I, I do think that the, the one thing I was worried about when it came to the Bears' defense was their pass rush. I, and, you know, obviously they've got some guys in their secondary. Their, their second level is looking really interesting with Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. 
Trevathan, and, and you know they've got a couple of really interesting guys on the front line, like Akeem Hicks. I think is really good and really underrated. And Aaron Lynch has some potential to kind of turn back into a good player. But I was really worried about their pass rush from the edge. And so getting Mac is like exactly what they need. I mean, you got a defensive player of the year candidate or guy. He won it two years ago. So you mm-hmm. got a defensive player of the year, you know, caliber player. Adding that to your defense, I think, does a couple of things. One. I mean, it probably helps everyone on the defensive line in terms of sack. So they have the potential to, you know, increase their sack totals, which could help. And then obviously, number two, I just think having a, a, a player that is very disruptive up front can help um, the secondary, especially in a kind of secondary like Kyle, Kyle Fuller, I think, which, you know, last year, I want to say he led the NFL in pass deflections. And which means he's always around the ball. He's always kind of you know, got his hand on, on the football and things like that. I think if you get, a, if you get to the quarterback at like a tick or two earlier and force him to make, you know, kind of either quicker passes or off balance passes or whatever, like that can also like help you get more interceptions and things like that. Now, overall, like, does it help them, you know, like have the opponent score less points? I don't know. I think so. You know, obviously mm-hmm. he's a really, really good player. So I think overall, Having a guy like him on the defense can help. I mean, obviously the the Raiders' defenses over the last couple of years were not that great, but this is a, a much more talented defense. I really like Vic Fangio. I think he fits that. I saw I saw someone say he fits the uh, the Alden Smith role in Fangio's defense really well. And so I don't know. I just I'm kind of I'm very intrigued with the Bears' defense. I do think you know putting him in top ten would not be that crazy. I think I think they have. A, sneaky potential to be really good you know if they can stay healthy that's the big thing because i don't think they're that deep but i think if they can stay healthy for the most part they have they have a lot of upside nice yeah that that makes me feel better you're you're backing me up here <laughs> i mean defense <laughs> 10 feels like a stretch for me but I, like i said i was already kind of high on them um mm-hmm. and yeah th- this is definitely something where even if you don't want to start them week one against the packers you might want to look at them on your week two waiver wire uh, and get them in. Um, I think this could also present some sneaky, you know, additional value for the Bears offense. You know, if if Mac does make an impact on that defense and starts putting the Bears offense into better field position, giving the Bears offense better game script, I think that's only a good thing for Mm -hmm. Mitchell Trubisky as well as Jordan Howard. I, I think that he's a guy who could really benefit from, you know, improvement on that Bears defense. Uh, but I've, I'm kind of underselling the two QBs branded here. We've, we've talked about running backs and defense so far. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about QBs. Right. And the biggest question mark right now in drafts has to be Carson Wentz. Where do you think is the right range for him to be drafted now that we know he's not starting week one? I mean, yeah. And so are you asking me like where to take him in a two QB draft? Or just in general? Where do you value him relative to other quarterbacks at this point? Cause he was a guy early yeah. in the preseason who was ranked you know top six top seven top eight usually and i don't think we can draft him ahead of some of those healthy guys like roethlisberger and stafford anymore yeah i bumped him down like a week ago even before the news of full starting came out and i'm worried that maybe i still don't have him low enough and uh yeah i'm just saying i guess relative to other quarterbacks where does he fall for you and yeah i I mean because in drafts like i don't even know if i would want to draft him at the ranking i put him at just because there's so many other options at the position who I know we're going to start week one. So anecdotally, uh, the ringer league did a two QB league this year Thank and you. that was a lot of fun. And it, cause it was, and, and I'm sure you've, you know, you know, this, it, it changes the strategy, obviously a little bit of when you want to take your quarterback. And so, um, we actually had, we were surprised, uh, Wentz went QB 15 in our league. I think I, I counted, I think I counted that right. Um, he went in the fifth round right after. So there was a run on quarterbacks, and essentially he went right after. So there was Stafford, Rivers, Luck, Matt Ryan, and then Wentz. And then Alex Smith went, went right after that, followed by Jared Goff and Mariota. So there was like this crazy run on quarterbacks. I think that, and that's not saying that bringer people are necessarily in tune with like what quarterback rankings need to be, but that's just anecdotally. Um I say I would say I probably put at this point I probably would put him above like Andrew Luck and Roethlisberger, although that's close. I think Roethlisberger Roethlisberger is really close though. His his road performance has been terrible. I probably would put Rivers ahead of him, and then so somewhere in like the QB twelve 
13 range, I think, just based on the fact that I think he's going to be back for week two. That's me just being optimistic, if not week three, because it looks like he's really close just based on kind of the clips we've seen of him. And so you know, he's going to miss a few games, but I think he's still got a ton of upside in that offense. And so I'm just kind of optimistic that he'll, he'll return soon. And I think overall I'd rather have him over guys like Luck or Roethlisberger, um, you know, even maybe Mahomes, things like that. So I just think his upside is still there. Yeah, I, I dropped him down to QB12 in my rankings at the bottom of a tier with Roethlisberger, Stafford, Cousins, and Matt Ryan. Yeah. And I, I, think, that, I think that sounds right to me. Mm-hmm. I, again, though, I wouldn't feel much incentive to draft him at that cost, given the unknowns here. And like his ranking in my heart is probably closer to like QB15 to QB18 <laughs> in the range with those guys like Rivers, Mahomes, Alex Smith, and Jared Goff. Uh, I mean, it, that probably means that I should have him ranked behind Mariota and Garoppolo, you know, in addition to those top 11 guys. Like I would probably. Yeah, I I don't know, but I, I think he's really you, worried about the injury for the most part. Is that the kind of the situation? Well, I was already worried about regression with him too. Like his touchdown yeah. rate last year was, I mean, it's it's underreported because Deshaun Watson's was even crazier. But <laughs> Car- yeah. Carson Wentz had a had a touchdown rate that's bound to regress this year, and Alshon Jeffries hurt. Like I think there are a lot of kind of signs pointing to that Eagles offense taking a bit of a step back here, and the fact that Wentz's you know, game is built a little bit on his mobility and his ability right. to move around the pocket. I, I just don't necessarily know if we're going to get the same type of season from him this year that we got from last year, even if he does return in week two. And that's that's my ultimate concern here. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like the, the price is, is a little too high at maybe QB12 just because there are so many other options that should be just fine. I think that's really fair. I guess my retort to that would be, and I, I think I probably agree with you that like regression is definitely concerning, but I would say having a f- offensive line stay healthy this year would, would make a huge difference. Obviously that's a big if. I do think Mike Wallace is going to be an interesting addition to that offense. Uh, I, I think Mike Wallace is an upgrade over Torrey Smith. They're, I mean, their tight ends are still really good. Their running backs are still really solid. Getting Sproles back, I believe. I actually haven't really heard anything from Sproles. Is Sproles Isn't that weird? Start, <laughs> is Sproles set to start the season? I think he's supposed to be healthy, and no one's talking about him. I haven't even like heard his name. Yeah, I, I know. Realize this. He could end up being one of those guys that we look back in back at in a month and say like, why the hell weren't we drafting Darren Sproles? Yeah. Like, but anyways, I think, yeah, I, my, my bottom line is I, I I agree with you. I think he's definitely a risk to regress. Um, but I do think there are factors still at play that could, ha- you know, he could, he could definitely still, I think, keep a very, like, be very, very strong showing this year just based on it's going to be his third season in that, in that system. Um, you know, there's, and they still have an amazing supporting cast. I still, and, and so I don't know. It, it's definitely an interesting discussion. I, I, I don't know where to land, but I think I'm a little bit higher on him than you. We're going to shift gears and look to Wentz's teammate, Nick Foles, in his matchup against the Falcons in week one. Right after this word from our sponsor. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you'll need to crush your friends and rivals this season. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, the bench players, and the free agent pool. You might be asking, how does SquadQL actually do this? Well, the app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, or CBS league. It pulls in your actual roster and your league scoring system, then makes the recommendations. I was just playing around with it with one of my leagues earlier, and it recommended I started Nelson Aguilar over Michael Crabtree. We were just talking about you know, the injury to Alshon Jeffrey and what that means for the Eagles offense. So this thing is up to date. This thing is looking at, at current states of the NFL and giving you good advice based upon uh, you know, what's going on in your free agent pool, on your bench, versus what's actually in your roster. SquadQL also provides waiver and trade recommendations, and the app gives you player rankings each week. It's all based on those league settings that you import. It's truly your go-to app this fantasy football season, so head to SquadQL.com and download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. And if you're into DFS, SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, which is the leading daily fantasy optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. So you can also download RotoQL for free, both on Apple and Android. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, we're back, and now let's start looking towards week one, Danny. Let's talk about yeah. the season, because we've waited way too long here, and 
you know, <laughs> we've drafted enough teams to this point where we're already thinking about our lineups in some leagues and Nick Foles starting in week one for Philly. This is a big deal in two quarterback leagues because a lot of people did draft him towards the end of their drafts. Uh, I don't know if he went in your ringer league and you just as a sidebar, I might need to send you on a diplomatic mission to, to Robert Mays because I saw him <laughs> tweeting about not wanting to play two QB. Come on, man. Yeah. This, is, this is the way to play. I'm telling you. Um, but anyway, Nick Foles, <laughs> what do you expect from him? And are you worried about the poor preseason performance from Foles? Uh, does that factor into your fantasy evaluation against this matchup against Atlanta in week one? Yeah, I think I am kind of worried about it. I think I mean, he looked awful. And to answer your question, he did go in the Ringer League. Uh, Simmons and his and his nephew Kyle took him. So there you go. We'll see how that goes. I just, I think it is really concerning because I mean he had he had struggled mightily, you know, before he kind of went on this tear at the end of the season too. And so he kind of worried like maybe they just captured lightning in a bottle with him for those few games and. And maybe that was like kind of just like not something that is at all repeatable. So we'll see. But I do think in general preseason isn't necessarily indicative of kind of like what what you can expect because you don't do a ton of scheming and you don't you know you don't pull out all your bag of tricks and all that. So there's obviously a lot of caveats to how he played in the preseason. Um, but I think it's definitely concerning. I mean, I, I think again, I think he's only going to end up playing one game, so it may not matter too long. But I would be pretty worried about him against the Falcons defense, who I think is going to be better this year. Um, mm-hmm. I like them too. Yeah. I, their pass rush, I think, is going to be better. Their defensive secondary, I mean, it's got to be better because it wasn't that great last year, despite the fact they have a ton of talent. I think they, they'll take a big jump this year. Um, so yeah, I think I'd be worried about it. I mean, I, if I were streaming quarterbacks, I would definitely try and kind of go with someone else, go with a player who has a little bit easier matchup. Um, but yeah, I think Foles, the way he played last, you know, the last couple of weeks was definitely really concerning. So let's try to put some context to it. Let me throw out some names that are around Foles uh, in Fantasy Pro's consensus quarterback rankings for week one. Would you rather start Foles home against Atlanta or Garoppolo on the road against the Vikings? <laughs> I'm not I'd asking rather, easy ones, sorry. <laughs> that, I think I, honestly, I think I would rather go with Garoppolo. I like but it. But that's, that's... I mean, it's close, and that tells you a lot of like how confident I am because obviously the Vikings defense is one of the best in the NFL, and they're at home. Mm-hmm. So that kind of tells you my confidence level in Foles right now. Okay, so how about Mahomes against the Chargers? Mahomes is also on the road. Yeah, it's you're stealing some of. So we have like the schedule already. You're stealing some of my guys to avoid, but yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Um, all right, one more, <laughs> and we'll and we'll kind of turn this into a discussion about Matt Ryan. What do we expect from him in the season opener on Thursday night against Philly? Uh, because Philly's a tough defensive matchup as well. Mm-hmm. This might be the best defense he faces all season. If you look at his schedule uh, for the rest of the year, I, I don't think any anyone would at this point rank higher than Philly. I'm, I'm curious what you would do with that. Like, I think Matt Ryan's definitely a little bit more trustable than Nick Foles, but in terms of matchup, you would have to kind of view that Atlanta matchup for Foles a little bit better. What do you expect from Matt Ryan against Philly? Man, yeah, that's a that's a really really tough matchup. I actually think, and he's another guy that is, I think he's got a ton of positive regression. You know, mm-hmm. he's a he's a positive regression regression candidate this year because I think number one, you know, just another season kind of figuring out Sarkeesian and and getting more on the same page with him. I think getting a guy like Calvin Ridley into the offense is going to be good for them. I think he gives them another option in the in the short in the middle you know short intermediate area that that maybe they didn't have last year and so um i think i'm bullish overall on the falcons offense i think maybe it's not it's definitely a tough matchup for them i don't know i don't exactly know what to expect i'm guessing it'll be a pretty conservative game plan though like you know try and run the ball you know try and get the ball to his, his playmakers in sort of the short and, and, and intermediate area and see what they can do from there because um, you know, last year the Eagles were really, really good at preventing explosive plays in the passing game. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's not a great matchup. I can't imagine he has a ton of, ton of yards and, you know, it's probably going to be one of these kind of like sloggy games. I think it, it, you know, based on kind of the quarterback situation for the Eagles and, and how good the Eagles defense is. Yeah, I kind of, I hope they come out there and sling it against Philly, if only because I think that's one of the ways to beat Nick Foles, is to put Mm -hmm. him into those predictable game flows, and if you can make Foles play from behind, 
I think there's something to that. Like, that's a good way to kind of attack that team. But with that said, you're going against an Eagles defense, like you said, that really limit, limited big passing plays, and you're kind of going against the strength of what that defense is, and that might not be a good idea. So it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. I'm pretty excited for that to be the first game we get to see because it is a very interesting matchup. Let's pivot here, and I was going to ask you, a question about which rookie you'd rather start in week one between Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. <laughs> but the Bills killed that when they announced that Nathan <laughs> Peterman was going to be their opening day starter. So instead, I'm going to keep Darnold in there, but I'm going to make it, instead of a rookie QB head-to-head, it's a, a New York quarterback head-to-head. So <laughs> would you rather start Eli Manning home against Jacksonville or Sam Darnold on the road against Detroit on Monday Night Football? Where are you at? <laughs> I'm picking Darnold in this one. Woo! I think obviously Darnold's going to have some growing pains and I don't think that the Jets offense is going to be like a, it's not, it's definitely not going to be like a well-oiled machine by any means, but just the Jags defense is just insane. And I was looking at the numbers last year for the Jaguars. They, they're, uh, they gave up a 60, 68.5 passer rating all year. Oof. They had 21 picks, which is the second most. They gave up six yards per attempt tied for the, the least. 169 yards game worst or like the best i guess and so yeah i mean it's just you're just really going up against an amazingly good defense with incredible pass rushers i don't think that the the giants offensive line has proven anything yet obviously they got some upgrades at a couple spots but still really worried about that offensive line kind of holding the jaguars rushers at bay i can just see manning tossing i I mean i just can see manning ending up this game with like you know two two picks and like 180 yards passing or something like that and i mean they'll obviously having beckham in there is gonna be huge but i think that the jaguars i I don't have the sound in front of me i'm pretty sure the jaguars were the best team in the nfl last year at taking away number one receivers or if not they were in the top three and so it's going to be up to kind of their other guys to take over the game and i again i just have way more confidence in the jaguars defense this one i i just think that they're they're really really good i wouldn't I probably wouldn't start anyone against the Jaguars, honestly, if I can't, if I don't have to. Yeah, I mean, between these two QBs, I don't know if I'd want to start either Manning or Darnold in Week 1. I mean, even though Detroit as a defense isn't quite as scary as Jacksonville, Darnold is going on the road. This is, you know, opening night, Monday night football. Like, is that a situation you really want to trot out a rookie running back into your, or a rookie quarterback into your fantasy lineup? I don't know, man. This might be one of those situations where if you had to make this decision and you were playing in a super flex league, I could see going with, you know, a non-quarterback over both of these guys in that spot. Right. It's it's just that kind of scary in both cases. But this is one of the great things about week one is we kind of get to finally see how this stuff is going to unfold. Like, how is that Detroit defense going to look against a quote-unquote bad quarterback? How good is Sam Darnold going to look as a, you know, a rookie starter? Which injury or, like, playing time gray area are you kind of most excited to get more clarity on, Danny? Like, something that maybe you just haven't been able to get a good feel for to this point in the preseason? Yeah. Is there something that There's in so week many. one... I, okay, so give me give me one or two <laughs> that really stand out for you. Like, what are you looking for to, uh, on uh, in week one? Yeah, okay, so I think number one, I, and this isn't just because I live in Seattle, but I think the Seahawks offense is really this kind is on of my list. Yep. Yeah, it's like an interesting one to figure out because... Before a couple of weeks ago, it would have been more clear. I think like Doug Baldwin is going to be the centerpiece of that pass offense. Now he's got a knee injury, which, and, and he said to the media, and this might just be gamesmanship. We'll find out, but he said 80 to 85% right now. And that's what he's going to have to kind of manage throughout the whole year. Um, I've heard some good things about Brandon Marshall based on like what he's done in practice in the, in the preseason week three game. He, he had a couple of big catches. I, I just think that Marshall people could be sleeping on how, how big of an impact he'll play. I don't think he's going to catch a ton of balls, but he could be kind of like a red zone guy. Um, obviously the Seahawks just gave Tyler Lockett a three year extension, which was way, it, it was worth way more than I think anyone was expecting. And then Jerron Brown has looked pretty solid in the preseason. So like I have no freaking clue what that pass offense is going to look like in terms of kind of like how they distribute the football. I think obviously Baldwin's your best bet, but past that, I just really don't know. And then obviously the Penny versus Carson kind of running back situation, I think is worth watching too. Are they going to completely split, split the load like 50 50 is, is Carson going to go in and kind of dominate the touches, especially early with Penny coming off an injury, but it sounds like he's going to be ready to go. So, I don't know. They're, like you tell me, like who the hell is gonna like carry that offense? I think obviously the only 
the only sort of given is that Russell Wilson, you know, should have a lot of volume, I guess, in terms of like the, the I'm guessing they'll probably try and pass the ball a lot. Yeah, I this was definitely on my list. You hit all the checkpoints I wanted to get to, like Carson versus Penny, and then maybe even going a little deeper in that running back group. Will yeah. CJ Prosize play meaningful snaps now that JD McKissick is on IR? Right. Yeah, who's going to be the wide receiver three behind Baldwin and Lockett? And if Baldwin doesn't look right, how does that passing offense shape up? And this will be the second time I mention him, but will my Nick Vanette trutherism pay off? Are we going to get the <laughs> Nick Vanette that I want for fantasy? This is he got he got a few red zone looks in the preseason. I mean, you know, he's looked pretty solid, and so I think that's kind of an interesting sleeper as well. And Dixon's out of the picture there, so I think there's a lot of opportunity for him, but I think his value is going to depend on kind of how good Brandon Marshall is, how much Brandon Marshall right. shows up to play week to week, because I think those guys are competing for the same types of targets, you know, those possession targets, those red yep. zone targets, and it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. Another one for me is the New England running back situation, and they've got yes. a tough test against yeah. Houston in week one. Like, how much is so- Sony Michelle going to play? Can he and Rex Burkhead maybe get on the field at the same time, considering how thin the receivers there in New England? Uh, will Jeremy Hill have a role? I'm fascinated to see how that plays out because I have no clue. What do you think about the New England backfield? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I have no freaking clue. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I think like my long-term vision of the Patriot, like I think the guy who I'm most interested in taking in the Patriots backfield is probably Michelle. And I think like down the line, you know, if I had to make a guess, he'd probably end up kind of being like the lead guy there. But obviously then right now we're having to worry about his knee and will he even be active this week because he's <clears throat> missed so much time or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, so it, <laughs> I don't really know if, if Burkhead is going to be kind of like an every down guy, like how, what is the overlap from James White and Burkhead in terms of like the pass catching stuff? Because Burkhead can do a little bit of both. Uh, is Jeremy Hill coming in to do that like Gillisley thing where he scores three touchdowns in week one? We'll see. Um, yeah, I have no clue. I, I have no clue. I'm, I'm really looking forward to figuring that out. And, and the other thing is like we probably won't figure it out. Like it'll, it'll maybe look one way in week one and then change completely like last year. Yeah, I, I totally forgot to bring up James White just because I kind of <laughs> view him more as a receiver than a rusher. I guess I'm more thinking about like how these guys are going to be used like on early downs or, or on like rushing specific, you know, scenarios like around the goal line, like in short yardage. Yeah. But you're right. Like maybe James White is the guy who ends up being the biggest beneficiary because one, we know he's healthy relative to Burkhead, Burkhead and Michelle. And two, they don't have the receivers there at wide out. So maybe James White has to stay on the field more often than we've become accustomed to. That's, that's yeah, yeah something that, like you said, we don't have the answers. That's why we're so excited to see it in week one. Um, is there I any other that, situation? That, oh, go ahead. Going back to New England, just one more note. Like you, you, you alluded to it. Like they kept three receivers when they went to final cutdowns. Obviously, they picked up Amara Darbo from the Seahawks and then Chad Hansen from mm-hmm. the Jets. But I mean, those guys are not going to, they're not going to factor in, at least to the offense early on, I don't think. Um, and when you add in Cordero Patterson, who, I wouldn't necessarily label as like a traditional receiver at this point. I mean, there's been lots of good talk, you know, from, from Patriots camp in terms of what he's done and with his route running and all that. But he, to me, feels more like a gadget guy still. And so, I mean, essentially they have like two receivers, Hogan and Dorsett. And so does that mean like they, they do like three running back sets like throughout the first couple of games? And that could be really fun to watch. And like you said, you know, James White, maybe he's just more of a receiver. Maybe with Burkhead, he's like a slot receiver essentially too. And so, yeah, there's, it's just going to be really interesting to figure out what happens there. And, and, you know, it's going to be kind of a, you're going to feel it out. You know what else I think it means? I think it means that you can draft Julian Edelman with confidence if you are still yeah. drafting. I think it means that Dwayne Allen might have a bigger role than we all expect, you know, as in yeah, two tight end yeah. sets. So th- there's they just, yeah, they just redid his deal. Maybe they gave him actually a pay cut, but yeah. But sure, he took a pay cut to stay there. I mean, he's trying to win a Super Bowl, I would assume. And <laughs> I, yeah, I think there's there's something to be said there. Like something's going to shake out in that offense within these first couple weeks. And yeah, if you yeah. pick up these guys preemptively, kind of stash them for a week, see what happens. Like there could be some value there. Uh, any, any other kind of lingering questions you have, Danny, uh, that you really want to see shake out in the first week or two? Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to a couple other teams. The first one will probably be the Dolphins in terms of what happens with both their running back and receivers group. Obviously, Kenyon Drake, I think, is, 
you know, a lot of people's favorite because he's so explosive and so elusive, but he's going to be dealing with Frank Gore and how much, you know, they want to use Frank Gore. We don't know. And then in the receiver spot, Stills, Amendola, you know, Devontae Parker, um, Albert Wilson. And so there's just so many questions on how the, the passes will get kind of like broken up there. Obviously, I think I'm highest on Stills, but I, I, it's, I don't know. It's just another one of those things where it's we go into the season with no kind of idea how each guy is going to get used. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, Devontae Parker is one of those guys who I think fell down everyone's draft board yeah. during draft season, and that's based on what we're hearing from camp and from preseason play. And like you alluded to earlier, you're like we're not seeing the real schemes in preseason, both from these offenses and from the defenses they're playing against. So, I mean, maybe he ends up being fine. I don't know. I, I'm with <laughs> you. I think Stills is probably the best bet just because we know what his role is and we know that he has some chemistry with Tannehill. But I could just as easily see Albert Wilson being the guy that we end up wanting to own because he maybe fills in that Jarvis Landry role uh, for the Dolphins. But that, that's another good one. Um, and th- this actually brings us to a, the next question on the show sheet here, and that's who is your favorite or most intriguing quarterback streamer of the week? And I'm going to go first here because on my list, uh, Tannehill is, is there. And I, he actually wouldn't oh, be my pick. I've got one more. But just because we're talking about the Dolphins, I want to bring this up. I mean, the Titans, who they're facing in Week 1, ranked 7th in Football Outsiders run defense DVOA last season, but mm. only 24th in pass defense DVOA. Admittedly, this is a new season, but it still should be easier to throw on Tennessee than to run on them. And if Mariota and the new scheme there for the Titans can, you know, put up some points and keep the pressure on Miami to, to pass and score as well, like kind of in, in tandem, like there could be some sneaky value for Ryan Tannehill as a streamer against the Titans. So, uh, yeah, that, plus they're at home, like you said. Totally. Yeah. And that, while that's not my, like I have another pick who I like a little bit more, um, I wanted to throw him out there. Who is your uh, QB streamer of the week, Danny? Uh, Andy Dalton. Yeah. Was he, was he yours? Nope. Okay, cool. I just like the number one. I don't really like the Colts defense at this point. I think, you know, number one, they don't have a, I guess, proven that it's, it's just a bunch of question marks at the, the cornerback spot. I think right now, Pierre Desir and, and is it Kenny Moore, I guess, who are going to be starting on the outside for them? And they don't have a proven pass rush at this point. There's a, there's some guys that could emerge for them. You just don't really know. I, basically, yeah, their, their defense is just, I don't know. And so I think that Dalton, even if it, even if it ends up being like a, a, a game script for running for the Bengals, I still think Dalton could have a, a solid game just because I think that the Colts, Colts defense, their pass defense just isn't very good, or at least it doesn't look good on paper to me. And so I think he's a sneak, or he's like a kind of a lower end guy that I think I would be comfortable streaming just, you know, based on that, you know, that matchup. But again, it's, we don't really know what we're going to get from Andrew Luck. It could end up being a good, you know, game script for them where they have to pass a lot and it's kind of a back and forth game. We'll see. But I think even in a negative game script game, he could still have a solid outing. Yeah, I like it. That's a that's a splendid matchup and I think if you have Dalton you can start him pretty confidently. And the guy I want to throw out there is I wouldn't be quite as confident as I would with Dalton, but it's Case Keenum going against Seattle. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. For some reason, Keenum is the QB 28 in Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings for Week 1. He's behind Joe Flacco. He's behind Ryan Fitzpatrick at New Orleans and behind Derek Carr against the really? Rams. Like, yeah, this wow. is crazy to me. Like, I understand if you don't want Case Keenum to be in your top 10 or top 15 or whatever, but you can't rank him behind Fitzmagic and Derek Carr. Like, I think this is just <laughs> some weird, like, residual... Totally. Love for the Seahawks defense. Totally. Like people haven't caught up to what how how that defense has changed since two years ago. I mean, they're definitely not as good as the Saints or the Rams at this point. And so I think Case Keenum is also might just be a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick or Derek Carr. Like totally, yeah. You, and you he's got better th- weapons, maybe. Well, not not uh, not not Jacksonville or uh, Tampa Bay necessarily, but I mean, he's got solid weapons too. So. But yeah, for me, this is just one of those things where the the consensus ranking doesn't make sense to me, and so that's why I'm going to tab him as a guy who you can actually feel good about streaming, and if, if he's a guy that you have to play, because that Seattle defense is not as good as people want to give them credit for. Do you have anything else to add there, on Keenum? I mean, there's definitely some residual, I think. Uh, I guess the respect factor for the Seahawks hasn't necessarily worn off. That could change week one. I'm actually really worried about the Seahawks defense right now. Um I don't even know. I, I don't think we know who's going to be starting opposite Shaquille, uh, Shaquille Griffin at cornerback right now. It looks like Dante Johnson. 
um, who was one of the worst corners in the NFL last year for the 49ers. And so uh, that's disconcerting. Obviously, K.J. Wright is going to be out week one, it sounds like. And so you're going to have Shaquem Griffin starting as a rookie first game. I don't know what the deal with the Seahawks pass rush is going to be. Frank Clark has been banged up. He had a, I think he had a extended, hyperextended elbow, and so he might not even be fully full go. Um, you know, obviously they lost Michael Bennett and and Cliff Averill. There's so many question marks on the Seahawks defense. They're playing on the road, and I think you know Keenum, like he was pretty solid last year, and then now he's on a team with still with with, with some very good you know pass catching options. Emmanuel Sanders, Marius Thomas, um, Cortland Sutton did some things in, in the preseason that was pretty interesting and. So yeah, I mean it. It's def. I think it's a better matchup than people are saying. I think I'm 100 percent on on track with you there. I I have kind of like an open mind about the Seahawks offense, like they or defense. They could end up being a little bit better than I think people think. But at the same time, there's so many question marks still. I have no idea how they're going to do. Yeah, and I mean this. That's what Week One is all about. Is kind of trying to figure this stuff out as we go. And if we're right, and maybe the Seahawks defense isn't that great, this could be a matchup we continue to try to stream against like they get Trubisky in week two they get Dak Prescott in week three and they get whoever the Arizona quarterback is in week four like those matchups could all be good you know relative to again that kind of residual expectation of the Legion of Boom right so yeah I I think there's there could be some value to be had there and so I'm going to be looking to try to find that with Case Keenum in week one Let's go the other way, Danny. Who's your clipboard holder of the week? This is a quarterback <laughs> who you would normally start, but you're going to avoid in week one. Yeah, and we, I alluded to it earlier, but like the two guys I kind of had at the top of my list were Mahomes and Garoppolo, just based on I think the Chargers defense and the Vikings defense are both very good, uh, especially against the pass. And so um, I'm not saying like if you don't have any better options, then you don't have to sit them or whatever. But like if you got, if you can stream someone who might have a little bit better matchup, I think there could be some, some value there. Um, the other guy that I think you probably want to avoid is Derek Carr versus the Rams. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he, I don't know if he'd necessarily count as a guy you'd start always, but, um, I think the Rams defense is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Having a going, having to go up against, Sue and Donald on the inside, plus their couple couple new corners, uh, Tlaib and and Marcus Peters. I think it's just going to be that. That's a. It seems like it could be disastrous for the for the Raiders. So, um, yeah, th- those are the three kind of guys I had in mind. Obviously, and then add in Eli Manning, like we talked about. I just I wouldn't start anyone versus the Jaguars. Yep, I mean Manning doesn't even I think qualify as a guy I want right, to start every right. week anyway. But yeah, I'm with <laughs> you. Uh, and and all three of those guys you mentioned were on my list. The other one we talked about earlier is Matt Ryan at Philly. So those four guys I think are the ones mm-hmm. you kind of want to avoid in Week One: Matt Ryan, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy G, and Derek Carr. I'm I'm with you 100. percent And this early in the season, it's all just about those those big time stay away defense matchups. Like we're not gonna try to split hairs on defenses we think might be good. You know, right? right. Uh, so like just. Go with what we know. We know that the Chargers and the Vikings and the Eagles and the Rams defenses are all going to be good. So if you have a quarterback going up against one of those teams, you should at least consider benching them. And we talked about how maybe Matt Ryan could still be startable in that matchup at Philly, but you know you might have a better option. So be op- keep an open mind when it comes to this stuff because quarterback scoring is pretty replaceable. Like that was one of the big takeaways from. You know, the recent series that we did of two days on this podcast, you know, you can find week to week guys who are going to perform like top 10 QBs, even if they weren't drafted as such. So don't be Mm -hmm. afraid to bench Matt Ryan or Patrick Mahomes for a Case Keenum against Seattle, for example, or even Ryan Tannehill against Tennessee. Who knows whether these guys could work out. Uh, Danny, last thing before we go, (laughs) give me a bold prediction for week one. (laughs) I thought about this for way too long. I couldn't really come up with anything great, but mine was that Jeremy Hill leads all scorers for the Patriots in week one. Yes, I like it. <laughs> like, and that's just a shot in the dark. Yeah, that's that's my bold prediction. I'm just going with it. Maybe I love it. Happen, but yeah. <laughs> and that goes back to what we were talking about with the New England backfield and the New England offense in general. It's like, how's that going to shake out? Like, Jeremy Hill could be, you know, the Mike Gillisley, right? The guy who gets right. those three TDs. And would it surprise us? Uh, maybe a little bit, but not completely. Like, we, we we could definitely see the 
the <laughs> the like mastermind Bill Belichick yeah. putting that together, right? Like he, he's right. done it to it before, before. He might do it again. Uh, mine is not quite as bold. I, I have Blake Bortles <laughs> finishing as a top five fantasy QB in week oh, one. Oh, I almost said something about Bortles, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no team allowed more fantasy points to quarterbacks last season than the Giants, and I think Bortles could be a recurring answer to that streamer of the week question that we talked about, at least in these early weeks of 2018. After week one at New, at New York, he gets New England, then Tennessee, then the Jets, then Kansas City, then Dallas, and all those look like good matchups for QBs. Right now, he's the QB 21 in Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings, and, and I'm talking about Bortles still. I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I think that Jacksonville goes into New York, and they're going to be fired up to make a statement. You know, we're for real. We're we're still one of the teams to beat in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Their defense has pieces to compete with the Giants' playmakers, and I think, you know, despite the improved weapons for Eli Manning, I don't really know if we have a reason to trust him based upon, you know, the play that <laughs> right. we've seen from him in recent seasons. And if he turns the ball over a couple times, that could set up some short fields for Bortles. You know, good game script thanks to the defense. I think that there's a, a chance Bortles ends up being one of the top performers, despite not being ranked as such. So so he's yeah. my guy for, for Bortles. He was, he was my second choice for the low-end streamer, that the earlier discussion when I said Dalton. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Nice. Well, hey, Danny, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Listeners, you can follow him at Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. You got anything you want to plug before we sign off? Yeah, just uh, the Danacy Football Podcast, I guess. You know, I think that we're changing this format. I don't have any official word yet on exactly how it's going to look, but I believe the plan is to do two a week. And so um, one in the early week, one on, I think, Tuesday, and then one on Friday. But that could change. But anyway, go ahead and uh, try and listen to that because I, we have a lot of fun doing it. Yep, check that out. Ringer Podcast Network. You guys have all sorts of awesome shows over there, not just related to football, of course, but the fantasy show has been really good. I've been enjoying it. Uh, thank be sure you, to check thank that. you. Yep, be sure to check that out, listeners. Uh, the format for this show is going to change a little bit. If you listened last year, it's going to be more like that relative to you know the off-season content. We're going to keep doing a streamer of the week, clipboard holder of the week, and I might mix in the bold predictions here and there, but we might keep doing it every week. I'm not sure. I have to think about it. Um <laughs> If you want to send questions to the show, you you got start sits, you got waiver questions, uh, please hit us up on Twitter at 2QBs, or you can email us 2QBs at gmail.com. In both cases, be sure to spell that out, T-W-O-Q-B-S. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That would be awesome. And be sure to check out the the show's sponsor, uh, SquadQL. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you after week one, when hopefully we'll have... A lot more answers and probably just as many questions. But uh, until then, adios. Adios.